Well, the boss called me up and said, come in to work. I just hung up on that slave-driving jerk. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. Well, you'd think I'd rather be sweating on a dock or watching somebody use a hammerlock. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. It's a special show this week. On the Total She Show, I've banged my head against the wall enough when it comes to Mike Davidson. I've had enough. Honestly, I don't want to talk about it anymore. So I brought somebody else in to be my, uh, well, to be the, the counterpoint to Mike Davidson. Three-man booth today. And we have G's Wheeze. Mecca Shane Madison. So let me get this straight. You've lost every argument we've ever had on the air. Incorrect. Keep going. Not Incorrect. Keep going. Do we need to talk about Don Callis again? <laughs> yes. You've lost every and discussion, Housen. every argument. So now you think, okay, well, I know somebody who can at least keep up with Mike. He's got almost 25 years of experience of of, our, of debating and arguing and, and outpointing me. putting a lot of pressure on you. Yes. Well, it's a true debate today. Yes. It is a true debate today. Did We've you got... do your homework? Did you pick three topics yes. that we can banter about? So the deal is this. We've got three topics, 12 minutes apiece. Don't talk over each other, gentlemen. Be, be gentlemen. Don't make me step I'm in. I'm always a gentleman. It's true, you are. So this guy's my problem now. Because <laughs> you can't handle that, him. I have to deal with that. That's him. essentially what's happening You know, here. I've been dealing with him for 23 years I'm now. passing him back to you. I was right so many times lately. We should just cut that in a loop Let's talk about something. I was right. All Elite Wrestling announced that they're coming to uh, Canada Life Center on March 14th. And I was the first guy to put it on Facebook. I was told, get the get that the fees off of there yes. after I posted it. But I was the first guy to say it on Facebook. And and I, and I obviously, I will, I will say right now, Shane Madison knew it was coming too because him and I were both working on getting a verification on it with, with other sources. So... And that's kind of interesting. We, we almost broke it here on the Total B She Shows, if you think about it, because you talked about it be, before. Like I knew you, it was going to happen. And you, to the day. Yeah. To the well, day. we knew the date. So we, we, we really broke it. The trick of that was how did we know it was going to be a Tuesday and not a Wednesday? March how, Madness in the U.S. Oh, there we go. That's why. Yeah. I, see, I was out of the loop for this one. You're 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 filling me in on stuff. We said it was going to be a Tuesday night dynamite, and everyone said, "Whoa, what? They're taping it for a night? Why are they doing that?" And That's what I got a lot of after the story broke and it was official. And they're like, "Why are they doing it on Tuesday? We're getting a taped dynamite, dynamite, and rampage." Yeah, we're getting yeah, a which taped rampage air on television in Canada, which is hilarious. So. So get ready for the local guys to start coming out of the woodwork. Uh, trying to get gigs. Trying to get booked yeah. on dark and dark elevation. Okay, so before we go too deep into this. Yeah, I want to talk this. About is going to be very interesting. Kenny Omega will not help a single local guy. Who would you book on those shows if you guys were? Chad Daniels I'd look at. Um, or, well, I might want to look at. Um, Bobby Shink. Okay. Mm. Big Bobby Shink. He's, he's got a good gimmick. He's, he doesn't look what as. What is the gimmick? He drinks syrup, but is he a lumberjack? Yes, yes, sort of. kind of. But like, I don't, I don't understand. I well, don't I guess you have to. We'll have to see more of him in the next in twenty twenty three. We're going to have to take the Mecca to a WPW. Do you know? Show. I actually had an idea at one point. We will take Mecca to the next WPW show in January after Shane? after December Friday night. They did another sellout. Yes, oh, they keep doing this, but, and uh, only fifty tickets left as of we. Yeah, they, we they've this. got a system. Yeah. They've got a system. But you know what? I was going to do something. We were going to have a B-She's correspondent at local shows, one local show That's a month. That's right. And it was, I, I'm not going to say who it was going to be, but... A stooge. Oh. 
Yes. Uh, I'm a, here a for coward. Total Bishi's <laughs> show. Yes, but uh, we haven't talked to him about that, but I kind of put the cat out of the bag. But anyway, Kenny Omega isn't going to help anybody get an All Elite tryout. <clears throat> well, I'm sure there's going to be people coming out of the woodwork who are, quote unquote, his buddies who are going to be hitting him up for tickets. And Does he paid. have legit buddies anymore here? Well, I'm sure we'll yeah, see. Yeah, that's why he did PCW up until 2020. He used to show up and do the odd cameo because he wanted to play with his friends. He said that on different podcasts. Oh, fair, fair enough. I, so, I always thought it was just a loyalty to Andrew. No, it's it, it might have been a little bit of loyalty to Andrew, but he showed up and like to see the guys. Huh. Um, it'll be interesting. Like realistically, if Mentolo wants to get a tryout, yes. that would be an interesting guy. Yeah, um, that would be. Yeah, let's get back to that. Mentolo is. Definitely a guy that you. Can, I've heard he, about a guy he's TV that he, ready. I heard about a guy who used to work for WFX. I'm not going to say his name because he won't like me exposing it. But calling around and asking about getting a hookup for a gym membership so that he can get into shape for. Yeah. The, now WFX was 2010. It's 2023 when this happens. Almost 13 years to the day. He's and, got time to get in shape. Well, March. the best thing is, is these guys who are quote unquote professionals. Suddenly, like, hey, I need to get in shape for the show. And then after the show's done, then I'll go back to looking like a bag of shit. I'll tell you, if I was Adam Knight, I'd be going to YouTube cutting promos, talking about how I want to try out an All Elite. Yeah. I would. Those epic YouTube promos might get him booked. Has there been one since? No. And he, he, could, no, get, he could get back he in knows, shape, presumably. He knows I'm going to critique it, so he's decided he's given up on it. He's never going to do a YouTube promo again because he knows that gives me fuel to... What is it called? Fuel the fodder? Fuel to the fire. Yeah, to, whatever, whatever. Speaking speaking of which, uh, with Adam Adam Knight, I, I believe he's blocked the Total B She Show, so that might well, be... Well, I'm a, not going to tell you all the wrestlers that have blocked it. That's actually a segment for next week. Yeah. But there are peop, famous people who blocked the Total B She Show. I'm like, what have I ever done to this guy? But uh, yeah, really? I love it. On Twitter, blocked. And we're going to post it on social media. But hey, how about this, listeners? Guess who's blocked the Total She show? If you can guess, oh, I like I'll that. throw you a $25 Mary Brown's uh, gift card. Yeah, there we so go. So you got to be from Canada because Mary Brown's is in Canada. But guess who's blocked other than Adam Knight yeah, we've because we've given I that one yeah, away. I let the cat out of the bag. But, uh, and it's a famous guy, at least one famous guy. I'm going to look for other people. And I'm not, I'm I not. I think out. I know who it is. Do, uh, I, do I qualify? Because I could really use a spicy Big Mary right now. Do at I, the, do at I qualify the, for this? At the end of the contest? show, you can throw me your guess, but I'm not going to say if you're right or wrong. I know. But. Yeah, and we will hook you up with. And a, with I didn't a spicy proactively do something on Twitter to get him to block it. Nothing at all, and I'm amazed by it. But blocked. I found out uh, just this past week. I was looking, and I was like, "What? Why? Why?" But, well, well, you know what they say: if everybody's happy with what you're doing, you're not doing right. So, if everybody loved the Total Bishi show and we weren't blocked at all, I would have more questions about that. Ah, well, there you go. Um, there you have so it. So what local is going to get an all elite tryout? I don't think any of them, unfortunately, but I know there will be people who reach out and try. Um, but, but remember they do a lot of matches. Yeah. I bet like, you they're going to have people come in from other parts of Canada. Oh, for, for sure. This. There's going to be and guys from Saskatchewan, Alberta, maybe even Ontario. Maybe who, who Minnesota. Do you think, yeah. Who do you Eric think Cannon. locally? I don't, did you weigh in? I, I don't know. I mean, there's a couple guys I'd like to, I mean, what is, a, what is a tryout? on dark or dark elevation going to get you. I mean, or, yeah, they, they've got like, too many contracts already. Yeah. Like what is but it? Like, I mean, it, I guess it's a cool thing to say, Hey, I wrestled on YouTube. I mean, I guess that's kind of cool. And I'm not, and I'm not diminishing ring. it at yeah. all, you know, by well, the way, you, you get a look and not only that, like they might get a shot. I mean, no, yeah, they've no, got, that's they've, not what they're wanting. They've got all, they've got tons of contracts, no doubt, but it's pretty clear that they don't, 
uh, care about spending so, money. So they want to get on the radar, but more importantly, it actually ups their indie value that they that they got the dark match. That's actually what they want to do. So then they can up their indie stock. Right. But I'll tell you this: Arya Davari's in All Elite, mm-hmm. so that means I would I would be shocked if Eric Cannon doesn't come up, and maybe a couple of his guys, some Minnesota guys for uh, sure, and then it'll be. Toronto guys probably flying in. It's a cheap flight from Toronto. So. I think we will see some guys from Winnipeg on these shows. I mean, there's a lot of matches. They're, they do a lot of I matches. I can tell you right now, Don Callis won't go to bat for any of them, and neither will Kenny Omega. In fact, they will work against it. I don't see it. I really don't. Yeah. But I'm not betting on it. I know I, Don doesn't have uh, too many good things to say about some of the local guys. The last time I saw Don was at a PCW show, and that was the one where I think he did that thing with Omega. Right. And then Don came up to me. And he, he, came, I was just coming to visit. He came up to me and he goes, oh, tell me you're on this show. <laughs> I go, no, I'm just watching. He goes, Jesus. <laughs> and then he had to do whatever with who, whomever. But uh, yeah, oh, we'll see. Andrew's going to hear that and be like, Don, you piece of shit. Yeah. Because <laughs> trashing my crew when you're on the show. That's starting heat between Don and Andrew. All right, let's get into this. Come on. I want right. to hear it. Let's, What's subject number one? Let's start with subject number one, shall we? What is it? Is it about my buddy? It might be about your buddy. Uh, no, yes, it is about your buddy. Dave Meltzer. Oh, my buddy. That's that's the Mecca's Uncle buddy. Uncle Dave. That's, uh, I don't know if that's, I wouldn't say that's Mike Davidson's buddy, but the question basically is 12 minutes on the clock. Dave Meltzer, his accuracy and reliability and credibility as a reporter for wrestling. Is he incredible in this day and age? Is he Has he lost his credibility? Like some people say, He's not a credible source anymore. And what is a reporter? Wow, that was a wrestling. long question. What yeah. is a reporter for wrestling? Like, it's, they're Someone not like they're like facts. a legitimate Pro wrestling insider. Does it all the time? Yeah, but these people aren't legitimate professional reporters. Hold it, hold it. There are re- legitimate reporters. Well, Sean Sapp, the guy from uh, okay, yeah, like well, there are guys that are breaking news. Sean Ross Sapp, I think his name is Ariel Hel- Helwani. Yeah, are, that would be what I would consider yeah. a professional. But Dave Meltzer, I think. I think he. You think Dave Meltzer's on the same level as Ariel Helwani? No, I don't not, think so. He, not skill. <laughs> You're supposed to be taking the other side. Oh, yeah, not skill. Okay, we're going to double team oh, on Dave Meltzer today. <laughs> Let's go. Um, no, here's what I'd say about Dave Meltzer: is the problem is he's stuck, and you see this on panels on TSN and ESPN where they have like what they call insiders, and it's they are Elliot Friedman, Hockey Night in Canada is a prime example. Andrew Shawcross's twin. Yes, they want. They look the same. They want to talk about it, and then they but. So they want to say that they're in that they've got sources, then they're in the know. Dave Meltzer always likes to say, "Oh, out of the guys I was talking to, I heard no talk about that." Like I've heard him say that about everything, about in every time era. I was talking to a lot of guys, and I didn't know that, so I don't think there's any accuracy to that. Dave loves to be the guy that breaks the news, but then he likes to be the analyst and he wants to put a spin on it. And in doing that, he loses credibility with me because if Dave likes somebody, he will never give a negative, a negative critique. When Don Callis ran impact, all of a sudden you, because Dave likes Don Callis, all of a sudden you saw Dave Meltzer say impact is really improving. It's a really good show. Don Callis isn't an impact anymore. And suddenly Dave, uh, Dave isn't really talking about impact as much because it's only what he's being fed by people who have an agenda. And that makes it, that means he has an agenda. So when you read the wrestling observer, realize you're reading Dave Meltzer's agenda, not necessarily fact, nothing set in stone. It isn't, it isn't as reliable as other news sources. And you, you said it right off the get go. Yeah. So now I you mean, have to take the counterpoint. No, well I, in, okay. I will take the counterpoint in Dave's defense. <laughs> um, I will say that, you know, 
as uh, you know, I'm a subscriber to the Wrestling Observer. Lifelong I, subscriber. I, I have the t-shirt, as you like to say. <laughs> yes, yes, that was my next question. Um, next point of fact. You know, I th- I think, I think, like, you know, I... Uh, I go back and I look at some of the older issues and, uh, you know, there's a, a 1993 yearbook I was looking at and he kind of talks about some of the stuff that was happening at that time. And, you know, is it 100% accurate, but there's a lot of really accurate stuff in there. So I think, um, obviously he has some sources. I'm sure these guys probably work them like a lot of other people. Uh, absolutely. Would, you know what I mean? But I think when, when you get that, I mean, because there's no like, there's no like TSN or ESPN for wrestling. You have to kind of get the news where you can get the news, right? Because people are just hungry for that type of thing, especially with the everybody being on online. So I think at the end of the day, you know, what Dave does is he provides a service. I think it's entertainment. I mean, I read it every week. Um, he makes an insanely healthy living. He makes a very good living. Um, and, you know, do people live and die by it? Yeah, I would say so. Unfortunately. Yeah. And, you know, but I think the people that are actually in the business, like, who've done this, we kind of can read in between the lines and take the pieces out that we want to take out. So so one of the big problems with Dave Meltzer's reporting is I can give you examples. In 1997, the Bret Hart got screwed in Montreal story was all pushed by Dave Meltzer's narrative. Now, obviously, it was pushed by WWE narrative, which is what they would want to do if it was an angle. But the whole thing is Montreal was a uh, Montreal screw job was legitimate, and Brett had no idea. That's all. Well, what Bret Hart told Dave Meltzer, what Bruce Pritchard was telling from the other side. But if Bret Hart was in on it, and I can make the argument he was, I firmly believe he was. Wouldn't Dave Meltzer be a key? A pawn in that chessboard to make people believe there's legitimacy because people are telling Dave Meltzer it's true, so it's got to be true. A lot of hypotheticals, though. I'm like, what, where's the hypothetical in that? Th- that it is a wor- that it is work. I've already proven that in the show. Either Bret Hart was the biggest you gullible dupe in the that it's a work. You haven't proven history that. will show. <laughs> history will show Bret Hart was in on it. I will eat my hat if it was a work. Yeah. And you know, I'm not saying. That it couldn't be, but I think at this point, this many years after, something would have come out which would have... Yes, yes. Like, Shawn Michaels came out in 2003 on WWE Confidential, and he just was doing an interview, and he just basically spit out all the, yeah, I I was in on it and all this stuff, and, you know, I think at this point, we would have heard about it at some point. There would have been leaks somewhere. We're down to the final two people that were in on it that are keeping it a secret. Vince McMahon does not do interviews and does not share anything ever. And Bret Hart, whose entire legacy now is is stuck on it. He can't come out and say, hey, people, I got you all to sympathize with an angle. I made you all believe I got screwed. I made you all believe that I was the victim of the worst treatment ever in the history of the business. The problem is in 1997, as I get off topic, but Dave Meltzer was the reason that people bought this. In 1997, how big of a gullible dupe, if you watch Wrestling With Shadows, Bret Hart foreshadows for the entire documentary to the point where he wore a wire into a meeting with Vince McMahon. How did you fall for this? And the second it happened, why did you look at him with a state of disbelief? I can't believe this is happening. You spend the whole two-hour documentary saying, I think this could happen to me. He should have, if that had been a legitimate thing that happened, they ring the bell and he realizes they did it to me. He's going to cinch up because he had Sean locked for the sharpshooter. All he had to do is come up on it. He would have broke Sean's back and said, Vince, get in here and take yours or save him because I'm going to kill him if you don't get in here. There's no way Brett reacts that way if it was legitimate. Trust me. 
All he does is he gets upstairs, Vince down, spits in his face. Great angle. Then he then as they go off the air, he's doing WCW, right? Doesn't do it on the broadcast. Yeah. Doesn't advertise their their brand on the broadcast. It was a work. Brett was in on it. I guarantee you, it might even have been Brett's idea. It's a lot easier for that to have been Brett in on it than it would have been to pull off. Imagine if they tried to pull that off and Brett and Brett figured it out and just didn't didn't go for the spot. But nobody. Then they're sitting nope. there waiting, going, "Oh, oh shit, oh shit, we're in the middle of a pay per view main event. Brett, Brett's not feeding for the sharpshooter." Right? Nobody's let it slip, anything slip for 20 years? Because I told you there's only two people that would be left knowing about it. But why would they, why would they still think, why would they still talk about like, why would they still want to withhold this information? Like who really 25 year anniversary, people are still talking about it. It was the best, it was the best work in the history of the business. I don't know. I, if, I think if you, you know, and I pulled this off, we would. Well, we would probably we pulled off it. smarter stuff than this. You and I. Well, and in fairness, but that's assuming it was real. If everything is as it seems, and Dave Meltzer was the biggest proponent of this, but Bret Hart definitely knew he de- he was definitely in on it. And I disagree. It, his entire brand yep. would be tarnished if he comes out now and says, "Hey, people, I got gotcha. you." I think what happened was when he came back in October of '96. You know, he came back. Vince was like, he's already lost so many guys to WCW. He comes back. Everybody's all happy to have him back. Goes into that program with Austin. Two minutes. Um, you know, and then, you know, eventually Brett becomes a pain in the ass. Like they're changing. Everybody the was a pain in the ass. At they're that going time. back to the attitude. They're, they're doing the attitude era. It's not Saturday morning wrestling. And I think Vince basically had buyer's remorse. And he said, hey, listen, I'm going to help you get your deal back at WCW. Go over there, make some money, and uh, and Vince is thinking, I'm out of this. This guy's out of my hair. I think we have a natural tendency in wrestling, especially for us being quote unquote in the business. Everything's a work. Everything's fixed. And I think, you know what? Like I, I think there are times, and this would be one of them where that's not the case. Bret Hart was his hottest, his hottest ticket all the summer of '97. There was no need to let him go. He had been a big part of the business, even in summer. He was a pain in the ass. So was Sean. Yeah, but Sean was going with the program. The only he reason he with picked the was Sean. Yeah. The only reason he picked Sean over Brett, if out of the two, was because he had tw- he thought he had twelve more years on Sean because he was twelve years younger. And he made the Little right did pick. You know, Sean was breaking his back and or had the back injury uh, three months later. He didn't make the right pick. Sean only wrestles for two more months after the screw job. Or well, he does mania, but he hurts yeah, himself. Yeah, but there's no Mister McMahon if all that. Well, doesn't it, happen. that's exactly it. When you say it, it had to be. It had to be as it seems. Everybody benefited from this. Brett went and got more money. Vince became a top heel. Steve Austin becomes a top babyface. Business goes on fire. Nobody loses. The only person who lost was Bischoff because he failed with with Brett. Every time when Brett goes to WCW, every time they're starting to push him, Brett does something weird to go off TV. Injury, weirdness, like, no, trust me. Brett, you're going to tell me the CM Punk thing is at work. I will too. (laughs) I proved it on this show. Here we go. Brett was in on it. Okay, next subject. 12 minutes, I win the first I win that one. What? Are we just declaring (laughs) winners? Your your whole thing of how you won is, well, in wrestling, we're we're all predisposed to believe everything's a work. So, because I'm I'm paranoid? (laughs) No, listen, you have some very valid points, I think, but we can look back and speak spin it however like oh he didn't do this he didn't do that he had a, a wire on like they were recording they were they were doing a show okay. for a year sorry, before uh, that sorry one last point yes everything is about this documentary i want you to record me with a wire on when i go have my meeting with vince but the minute he's about to punch vince and it might not come across well on camera hey guys i, I think we're going to do this without the camera here the the moment of truth yeah because he's physically attacking somebody 
That, that makes him liable. So why would you do it with a camera? He told Vince he was going to punch him. There was no liability there, there, after there, he There's after a he difference ta- between telling somebody you're going to punch him and somebody video cameraing you it's, punching I, somebody. I believe you're not going to get anywhere on an assault charge. If, if I tell you I'm giving you 20 minutes to leave me alone, and if I come back here, you're still here, I'm going to punch you. I've given you notice to get away from me. Vince would have never pressed you're, charges. You're still no. gonna get. You're still gonna get charged though, especially if it's, it's on an video. angle, guys. Sorry, it's sorry, funny folks. watching Vince stumble down the hallway though. Look like he was selling it, if you ask me. <laughs> yeah. And and that is the part where I agree with you. That that shot the of Vince walking down the hallway after he does not look like somebody who's been punched for. He looks like somebody who just took a nap. Honestly, he looks like he got up from a, well, one of those deep naps where yeah. Anyways, let's moving move along. On. Moving on to the second topic, we have. This one, Tony Khan as a booker, another credibility question. Tony Khan seems to think that he's the best booker in the world. He's the greatest booker of all time now. Not anymore with what, Triple H there. How's his credibility as a booker? What do you think Tony Khan's done right? What has he done wrong? As I've debated with you several times on this show, I've said Tony Khan couldn't even book your local independent wrestling company. I agree. Um, so... In fairness to Tony Khan, one of the things he did wrong is what every wrestling fan does. They dream of having the opportunity to write wrestling TV. They think it's easy and they have no idea how much work actually goes into it. Uh, Tony just happened to be a billionaire's kid who could put it together from a business structure to make it happen and pay wrestlers a lot of money. The number one failure that Tony Khan has done is he's absolutely wrecked the pay scale in wrestling. He's escalated salaries to an un to a reckless rate where guys are getting three and $5 million that would have been $1.5 million guys in WWE. I don't believe all elite is anywhere near profitable, nor will it be. And, but where he fails is he is not an instinctive booker. Good bookers come up from learning why angles draw money, why characters can go into certain angles um, it's called psychology in wrestling. He never would have developed it from watching wrestling because it's something you learn when you're in a locker room explaining why are we going to put together the match this way? Why are we doing the angle this way? Where are, Where's the payoff? What's going to... Like, two guys come together, they collaborate, and oftentimes there's a third guy, a booker or a producer in there coming together with this. That's what's lacking in All Elite because it's like, oh, this match seems like the fans are really going to get off on it, so let's get it on TV. And it's like, hey, you're you're. he doesn't know how to build money matches. He doesn't know how to build baby faces. And he, like, there's so many examples. I'm going to open the floor to, to my buddy, the Mecca, to argue with me. But Tony Khan, worst booker of a big of a big company ever. I don't think he's the worst booker of all time. I think there's things that he's done well. I mean, there's, uh, you know, I think, you know, at the end of the day, we have to look at it like this. Before there was All Elite Wrestling, there was WWE, and it was pretty bleak, and the product was terrible. and Complacent. And the guys were uninspired, and the pay-per-view shows were, you know, you can easily miss them. It was a formula. It was bad. And I would argue that WWE, they need to... They need to totally change their presentation. I would like them. I would like the set to be changed. I would like the ring yes. to be changed. I would like the canvas on the ring to be dark. Like just all sorts. I have all sorts of different cosmetic things that they need to do. And However, that's WWE, not that's WWE. Yep. However, AEW, Tony Khan. Okay, so is he a mark with money? Sure, um, but you know he's a li- lifelong fan. He's got kind of like a Rain Man. Um, wrestling um, vocabulary or recall like I do, I would consider... God, he'd love you. 
<laughs> we could talk a lot, yeah. you know. I mean, you guys would have a pizza and just sit there and talk sure, dates sure, and sure. But you know what? You had him at pizza. At the end of the day, you know, he started a company. He's given guys an alternative. He's given fans an alternative. He just got wrestling back on Turner after, you know, 20 years. I mean, who would have ever thought TBS and TNT would have wrestling again? Um, you know, I, I think it's a I think it's a good thing. Are there questionable things that he's done? Yes. Does he have, you know, there's all sorts of stupid things that all elite does. Like they have, uh, you know, they have, they have just some of the rules that they have. Like with, like we talked about this before, like with the tag teams, like no one tags in. They're just all like, all the guys are in there all the time. They're not tagging. They're just the referee standing there with his pockets in his, yeah. or his uh, hands in his, in his, in his pockets. And the guys are just doing all like whatever they want to do. They're jobbing out the referee, which is ridiculous because you have like Arn Anderson, you have Jerry Lynn, you have all these guys, Billy Gunn, who's won't be in Winnipeg, by the way. Um, all these guys. <laughs> How did you hear that? A little birdie told me oh. he won't be coming to Winnipeg. Darren Dalton there'll told you no, that there'll be no scissoring allowed. Yeah. But, um, anyways, yeah. So they have all these guys with a lot of, uh, you know, history and they've been in the business a long time why is nobody correcting all these guys because because tony khan has again you know put like these guys in place as executive vice presidents i don't give a rip if guys are executive vice presidents why are there why should i care about an executive vice president i don't know why they even they even like advertise that these guys do do that so i mean I don't know where I'm really going with this. I'm just I, saying, I will say you, you have a lot of very valid points about Tony Khan, but at the end of the day, I look at it as this, I enjoy the product. Um, I watch the product religiously. I think they were getting a little cold. I think things were getting a little stale. I think with MJF as the world champion, they've kind of, kind of shot, shot. They given it a little shot in the arm. Yeah. It's also called shotgunning. Well, I mean, it's been a long time since he's, He's been there since day one. Yeah. You know, but there remember, was not enough build for him to win the belt. But this is all damage control mode because yes. of CM Punk leaving, the, the work. elites leaving, yeah, the, work. the work. Yes. 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 According to Mike, the work. Yeah. Which I don't think. I proved that one too. And again, <laughs> as far. <laughs> hey, and if that one is a work, hey, I will eat this hat, like I yeah. said. But um, I think you're given, like, you talk about Tony Khan not being very capable. You're giving him way too much credit. That's if what you I think, say every week. If you think that's a work, I just think it's a bunch of guys in the locker room, too many egos, and he has no control over his locker room, and that's what happened. So, Tony Khan, two two major points where he's really failed. Kenny Omega goes off for eight months. Everybody wants to see him come back. The people who really love All Elite Wrestling love Kenny Omega. Give them Kenny Omega as a babyface. Make him the top babyface. But they did show on Rampage this past week Don Callis in the crowd scouting Takeshita and John Moxley. So maybe they're moving Dawn away from Kenny Omega. Well, that's not going to save Kenny. Well, would you? Would you? It's only going to prove. It's only going to prove my point that right, Don Callis is useless with everybody, not just Omega. It's going to sink. Yeah, it's going to sink Moxley into cash. Yeah, it's going to be Kenny t- as a babyface, but Don Callis as a manager wouldn't make any sense. So maybe they're moving him into a different. Okay, direction. so Omega had to come back as a singles worker. I think they left him in the trios because he's still hurt, or he he doesn't think he can deliver those matches. He should have been the babyface chasing the heel. They now have a heel champion you've got to you've got to know the four the next four baby faces so that you're going to give him a long run you you if you don't give um 
MJF 15 months as champion to the point where people are hungry to see him lose it, you've wrecked the chase. I hope they give him three years with that Yeah, title. exactly. You Just gotta like create, Roman Reigns, you gotta, best thing in the business. Yeah, create this chase that's insatiable. But you know what he'll do? Oh, well, we got to get Hangman Page back to the main event. He's not a main eventer, and they've tried it three times, and it's failed every time. John Moxley, oh, well, we got to cycle back to John. It doesn't work every time they go back to John. Omega's the guy or Wardlow, but then they bury Wardlow in babyface versus babyface matches, and then they wonder, well, shoot, what's happening here? Why is Wardlow? We really bombed on that because yeah. Wardlow was ready to become a huge superstar. They had Wardlow hot. Yeah, they real hot. Here's another one, Hook. Hook. They had Hook hot. Yeah. yeah. So he, where's he? So the pe- the fans are telling you who they want to be hot. Then all you have to do, it's at that point, it's simple. Let's figure out the tra- trajectory of he's hot now. They did, WWE did this perfectly with Steve Austin in 1997. This guy's red hot. How do we get him to Mania to win the title? Have the point where you want... The one thing that All Elite does badly is they don't know where they're going to be in six months. WWE knows exactly where they're going to be on Mania. They usually know exactly where they're going to be at SummerSlam right after Mania. you got to book with benchmarks and you got to build... They don't build because they sit there and they watch their TV numbers and they, oh, key demo. If I hear the words key demo, it makes me want to vomit in my mouth every time. Tony Khan needs to stop thinking about what people like Dave Meltzer say and start instinctively knowing my people, the fans are my people. My people are responding this way and go with what they're telling you. Two minutes. And you have to be ahead of what they tell you sometimes. Sometimes you have to say, hey, they want this guy to be the top babyface. It's the perfect time for him to be the top heel. Sometimes it's the time to say, I hate it if they turn MJF. I would really hate that, especially if they when turn he's, him babyface. Yeah, it'd be a especially huge when they're when he's on top. Right now, when he's on top, he should be invincible as the champion. He should be your Ric Flair from '84 to '88, where the belt revolved around him. Only don't have him job. But Keep him about, on top. You talk about hot hot shotting. They're going to be doing. Ricky Starks and MJF at winter is coming. And that's, that's what I want to talk about. Yeah. Starks should have been, that should be down the road, down the road. Now they already got him red hot off of this career making promo. Great promo. And then we know he's going to lose at the next show. And then, then we're I'll tell MJF you how book. I would book that to keep him hot. Do, do, I would do look, they book around him though? No, here's how I would do it. I would look at Clash of Champions 1 where you had Sting who was just getting hot and he went against Flair and Flair made him. I would say to MJF, make him. And when we go off the air, he's going to have you in a finishing submission and we go off the air and TV time limit was imposed and he didn't, even though MJF didn't break the hold, that's it. MJF escapes as the champion and then you've got Starks red hot as a top contender. Unfortunately, they don't have the house shows to feed off of that and they only have TV to push the angles. So then they'll they'll be scurrying as to what to do next. But that's exactly how I would end it. I'd end it just like Clash that's, of Champion ended, where Sting that. had Ric Flair in the, in the Scorpion. And you've got, then Starks is stronger than ever. He's not only had the career-making promo, he's had the career-making match. And that's time. Perfectly done. Uh, just a quick follow-up point. Before we go to break, I just wanted to ask both of you, I thought of this while you're talking, what's one thing that each brand, WWE and AEW, could take from each other? One thing. For me, As in terms of talent or anything, talent, pre- presentation, how they do this, how they do that, anything. I think I think WWE needs to adopt AEW's set. For example, AEW's set is clean, but it's there's edges. It's dark. It looks like it looks like Raw from Raw's War. It looks good. WWE now, as I've always said to you, looks like everything's smooth. There's no edges. Literally nothing. The set is rounded. Everything is rounded. So I just think WWE needs a little more of the AEW look. 
I gentlemen, I think WWE. I would like a little bit more of a grittier presentation. But yeah, a little less sports entertainment. A little more pro wrestling. So you there's, guys agree? They're starting to come to that a little bit. But when we talk about the cause, the cosmetics, I was a big fan of the NXT takeovers. Like kind of more of a darker arena. Yeah. I like the dark canvas on the ring. I think the NXT ropes should be yellow. I think the Raw rope should be red. I think the SmackDown rope should be blue instead of all of them white. I think the entire set needs to be reconfigured completely. I would just take that all apart and totally redo it. Just the presentation to make it feel fresh, it's looked the same for years. For AEW, I would try to adopt, um, like Mike had said, more of a long-term goal. Benchmark booking. We know what's happening. We know Roman Reigns. Nobody's, he's, he's not losing that title. We know he's wrestling The Rock at WrestleMania. We know he's going to beat The Rock at WrestleMania. I mean, just like this this bloodline thing with Sami Zayn, if you watched Survivor Series and you watched the facial expressions, the mannerisms, it is masterfully done. It is a it's just a thing of beauty what they did at that in that War Games match. So I would suggest more long-term booking uh, AEW needs to look at. Mike? All Elite needs accountability on their talent roster, so WWE mm-hmm. has accountability. That's a good if, you, one. if you act out in a WWE locker room, you either get suspended or you get fired. There's been the wellness policy and the drug policy. Well, there's he, also been guys getting into fights on planes and yeah. Jericho and Goldberg getting into fights backstage. So in WWE's defense, they do have they have had... How about when Jericho too. and Lesnar almost got in a shoot well, because yeah. they thought what he did with Orton was... Yeah. Yeah. Um, but there, there's accountability. There, Vince McMahon had, instru- had structure. There. And if you if you went into business for yourself, there was accountability. All Elite needs that kind of management. And what I think WWE could take from All Elite is just simple, FTR. They're going to yeah. come up, get them on your... con, and, and build your tag team division around them and the Usos. And... There you go. You'll have won the talent. The talent war that started after Triple H took over WWE is very, very slant. Actually, it started with Cody. Once Cody jumped and that floodgate opened, yeah. all the talent is is definitely slanting more towards WWE because they've had their taste of the mark with money and they want to go back to the big leagues. And you look at all the guys that H has brought back. Yeah. You know, you you have to wonder, like guys like who are there, like the Keith Lees of the world. If H was in charge at the time he was let go, would Keith Lee even be in AEW? Would he be? Because they're bringing back like, you know, Bronson Reed and all these yeah, other they brought guys. Back the Good Brothers he's, as soon as he's they not could. a guy I'd bring back. Keith Lee personally, no, well, no. I'll tell you this: FTR we can't were, cut a promo. FTR were Triple H guys. They're going to be back on that roster the second that they're free and clear. They so, should be back. Would they be the revival or would they be FTR? Because I think they've actually made a name for themselves as FTR. Do you even remember what their names were before when no. they were the re- revival? No, I wasn't watching. I'm a lapsed fan from remember. <laughs> Dash and Dawson. Yeah, there. I was trying to think. They, depending they, on what the so over depending what, exactly. depending yeah. what the copyrights are, I think H is a little less uh, strict about WWE has to own every intellectual part of it. I think he might give them freedom to be FTR, but I think he's still going to want to have some some copyright over them. It's going to be interesting, but I I'll tell you this: it the talent is all the the momentum of the talent war is all going WWE now. So. One thing Tony Khan has to do is he's got to get hot. He's got to get the perception that he he needs a big momentum win, and I don't know that he's got it. He's got Kenny Omega set up to fail with the with the elite. He's got like when they had Adam Cole come in, Brian Danielson come in. They had so much that momentum. was like CM Punk. Yeah, like that yeah. was a that and he was pissed big. it all away. Like yeah. as a Booker, you had to know you had 
lightning in a bottle and it's bad there. It's and, really bad. And one other thing with WWE with H bringing a lot of these people back, I am a proponent of them bringing some of these people back, but not everybody. Yeah, they're, they're bringing back everybody. Like they don't need to bring back Sarah Logan. No, they don't even. They do need to bring back Sarah Stock, but that's just a personal. I actually, I think they brought Sarah Logan is a good, good one to bring back just for that tag team. Yeah, because but that, that, that tag team is not going to move the needle. It's like, not, those guys can be. It's let not going as it, far as I'm it's concerned. not going to move the needle, but she adds to them to the presentation sure, for it now. Does. It's it's not long term though. To but your do point. you care about the Viking Raiders? I don't care. No. All right, let's go to a break. We're going to come back with question three, and then we're going to delve into the Mary Brown's mailbag. This episode of the Total Bees Cheese Show is powered by FirstRow.ca, Canada's online collectible store where you'll find the coolest sports cards, autographs from your favorites, action figures, and of course, wrestling collectibles galore. As a loyal Total Bees Cheese Show listener, you can get 10% off your order using the code Bees Cheese. Again, the code is B E E Z. S-H-E-E-Z, one word, and receive 10% off your order. Firstrow.ca, Canada's online collectible store. And it's time for our third and final question this week, and it's a local question. Locally... Could it be done where a promotion draws 500 people, which has been Mike's sort of magic number, although, you know, you could go bigger. Back in my day, we were striving for 1,000. 500 people while remaining profitable. Well, this we is never a, worried this about is profitability. Local. Yeah, <laughs> see, this is, this is where it's going to be a, tr- a trip up for you. Profitability. Can they remain profitable while hitting that 500 magic number? Uh, I'll, t- I'll go first on this one. Uh, Bear in mind, when I was tasked with running WFX, profitability was not the number one goal. We were we were starting up a business, and Jeff Dick understood very well, better than most, that you start up a business, you're going to have losses. And he was very comfortable with that. Tony Khan has the same thing with All Elite. They're definitely not profitable. Um, right now, what I see with local wrestling that I don't want to be hypercritical of, but I want to be honest about that they're running venues that only hold 200, 250 people. What that says to the marketplace is that they are very comfortable with that, which should be a number that they, their network alone should be able to generate 250 people. So they only want to draw their network. They do not want to grow if they're in a 250 seat venue. I would like to see them striving to double that to 500. Their goal in 2023 should be, here's where our market is now. We're going to grow our market exponentially up to 500 over the course of a year. And if they do that, they should be able to be profitable, but they need to have a plan to do it. No wrestling promoter has a plan, except for my friends at Winnipeg Pro Wrestling, who was very clear when they were on the show. I I can't remember the episode, but there is a creative vision and there is a business vision. There's two partners. One sticks to creative, one sticks to business, and it works for them. Are you saying, when you're saying like that vision, are are you talking about a specific company or are you just kind of saying in general i think all in general all the promoters right now and we're talking locally but you got to be striving for bigger than 250 you got to be striving remember when back in uh, the late or early 2000s rather when i was a booker and bobby was the promoter or john was the promoter 200 was what we expected at like at at the at the palladium or at the mm-hmm. we got to a point where 200 was almost guaranteed we needed bigger venues so that we could have the bigger show. Nobody is going to that bigger show. Bobby J used to do it. He'd go 
Self-tail community center. Yeah, weekly at weekly at Chalmers or bi-weekly at Chalmers, weekly at Bumpers. But then you're going to go to the big, what you're building the big show to. I think promoters got to go back to building to the big show. And I think, you know, I've said this a million times. Um, there is a difference between a promoter and a runner. And the promoter promotes a show and a runner is just somebody who runs a show. So I think if you, if the people are aware, especially in Winnipeg, I find that people in Winnipeg, they... Um, they're fans of something, of some sort of entertainment that is quality, I think. And if they know that it's there, it's advertised, uh, people will show up. I mean, you just can't slap up a piss yellow poster and run a show wherever and think people are going to be there. Then when you draw 40 people wonder, well, where's the house? Yeah. We had the posters up. Why didn't people come? Yeah. Like you need to have, uh, a specific approach. You know, I'm not sure if that's, you know, using your network, using, advertising using radio i mean whatever using the bees she's show i'm not yep. sure what that is but i'm a proponent of if the product is good the people know it's there the people will show up so one of the th- big problems right now is there's no vision and and if i was involved in promoting wrestling okay here's my here's my benchmark goal in march i'm going to do an event where i'm going to use a bigger venue and i'm going to try to draw double what i what i'm used to that's got to be part of their vision somewhere. So Danny did rumble to remember. I give him a pass because he's trying to run 25 different markets. So he, he is going to fall into the trap of he is just running because he's got so much he's got to run as part of his operation. But Primo's, for instance, they are running Deer Lodge Community Center monthly. Okay, what happens if you're drawing 170 of 200? Why are you not planning to go to someplace where you can draw 300? You got to grow. If, if your goal is just to run a venue, run the venue. Winnipeg Pro has it the best because they are on a string of sellouts that continue, continued last Friday. They're going to sell out in January, no doubt. They, they've got their venue that's perfect for their presentation. They need to get bigger too. They need to get into some place that holds 500 or 700. But what about the pro wrestling gorilla concept where it's better to turn people away and have a full venue to keep the... Cause like, you know, you to make at, the demand bigger. Yeah. To make the, to make it like, it's the hot thing. You have to get on it early if you want those tickets. I mean, I think there's something to be said. Can, could like pro wrestling gorilla back in the day, could they have done a bigger show? I think they could have, but I think they wanted to keep that intimate, you know, thing. I mean, they sell a lot of DVDs and all that stuff, but that's the indie in independent wrestling ways. Uh, that, well, that's the point that uh, d- the WPW guys made when they're on the show is that, that, you know, if we go to a bigger venue, we might break this streak of sellouts. Is it better to do, do more or do less and sell out more often? So my vision with the uh, WFX and AWE was we were running investors group athletics center. We could get 3,500 people in there. Were we ever going to get 3,500 people in there? No, I wasn't delusional enough to think that. But it meant anything under a thousand was complete failure. So the goal was always we got to be over that thousand threshold, and it meant we never stopped working to sell tickets. We ne- like the number one thing that was the push. And it, and let me be very honest. During WFX in 08, when we did huge houses, I was telling guys, you don't have to sell tickets. We've got this covered. If you want to sell tickets, I'm not going to stop you. But I'm not coming to you telling you it's a, an expectation of your performance that you need to take 10 tickets and sell it. Because I'd been through that and I'd seen the depression of 
guys feeling pressured to say that they were going to take 25 tickets or I'll take 200, 200 tickets <laughs> and returning 198 of them. <laughs> right. Like you Did that can't happen. Yeah, it's exactly happened. So I wanted to get away from wrestlers being expected to bring their immediate friends. That should happen anyway. As a wrestler, your commitment is you want, you don't want your friends thinking you're such a failure. You're wrestling on shows in front of 30 people. So you want to tell your friends, come down, support me. So that it, the perception is, holy, this is really, you guys are really doing good. That's what you want. But I think that the goal, if you don't set the goal high enough, you're basically saying, I just want to exist. It's just like we talked about earlier, wrestlers who are going to get into the gym because they want to try out for All Elite. Why now? Why is the goal so, now you've got such a short window for your goal. You got to get that goal started earlier. Your end goal should be something you're always focused on, not just because you have a deadline for when you can achieve it. You should be ready to achieve at any time. And that's why I think promoters need to really get hungry in 2023. This is an opportunity. Winnipeg's a very, very hot market. And it proven by SmackDown coming in and drawing nine to 10,000 on a night where Winnipeg Blue Bombers had 33,000 people. Before that in 2020, Raw did eight or nine or 10,000. I don't remember the exact number. And that's when people were starting to be told, don't go out because there's this thing called the coronavirus. And All Elite's going to prove it when they put their tickets on sale this coming Friday, that it is going to be um, the time for wrestling fever in Winnipeg. Well, you got to have a goal to capitalize on it. 200 people. We're going to bring in the Bollywood boys. We're going to bring in, you know, like you got to have a, a plan to grow right now. And I, and I, you know what? I know who calls me. I know who texts me and says, what would your plan be? There are promoters out there who do it. And the ones that don't do it, it's appalling to me. I'm, I always give you an idea or two. You would probably give an idea or two. You'd probably give an idea or two as I point to Chris and, and Shane Madison. But you got to use, you got to open it up. Too many times promoters think, oh, I got the right, I got the right formula. I got the right plan. Yeah, I'm making money. It's all good. All right, there we go. Well, we're coming to the end of that one. You uh, we're got a minute left. Uh, any closing remarks? I just figure, you know, I, I feel that, you know, if we talk about the WPW guys, and I've never been to a show, I definitely do want to In go January, somewhere. we're going. Um, that'd be great. Yeah, that would be we're great. We're going to drink lots of beer, too. Yes, hook us up, guys. But I think that it's, I don't think there's anything wrong with continuing to run the same place and selling it out every time. I don't think that's anything wrong. You know, they may not have that, you know, idea of, hey, we need to get into a bigger venue. They might just be happy with what they're doing. It's working. It's special. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. So I think they do want to get into a bigger venue. I think they're just doing it the, the right way. They started with the, at the Sherbrooke Inn. They outgrew that venue. Now they've moved to the West End Cultural Center. There's, they've outgrown that very quickly. But... But the optics of that show look great. Like, they do a great job. Like, I'm a big mark for late 92, early 93 WCW with the ramp, the colors, the logo. The presentation is very, very good. So, kudos to those guys. And the names of the show. I mean, can you... Are you kidding me? Like, WPW cold out, like, with the sold out spray paint logo. Genius. These guys are beauties. I'm going to say this to finalize it. What... WPW is doing. I talk to them consistently, which I reach out to them. It's not the opposite. Um, their growth strategy actually doesn't in, doesn't necessarily involve bigger venues. It involves increasing their value, their uh, presentation. They've got the right idea right now. Um, what I think has to happen is someone has to get aggressive and say, "There's this many wrestling fans in this market. Two hundred isn't enough return." based on the size of your market. You've got to cater to that market. 
And it's going to be an interesting year. I, I, I have faith in one or two of the guys running shows right now. And I think that you're going to see a very interesting year for 2023 in Winnipeg. And there you have it, the end of the debate. Thank you, gentlemen, for being uh, you know good to each other, not talking over each other. And now it's time for the Mary Browns mailbag. Mary Browns crave delicious. Who has 14 Manitoba locations? Mary Browns chicken. Who only uses Manitoba chicken? Mary Browns chicken. And who only uses Manitoba grown potatoes hand cut in store? I bet you've already guessed. Even Mary Brown's coleslaw is made fresh in store from whole carrots and cabbage. Download Mary Brown's app today and take advantage of money-saving deals and even a secret menu. You can order ahead to get your Mary Brown's faster. Mary Brown's chicken. Crave delicious. Two questions on the Mary Brown mailbag this week. How do they find us? They find us using the hashtag, hashtag Mary Brown's mailbag on Twitter, uh, at tw- on Twitter at Total She's on Instagram at Total She's Facebook, Total Bees, she's, and the email mic, totalbeesshees at gmail.com. Ever since we started giving that out, it's been spammed to the nth degree. I knew it was going to happen I'm going to put a spam filter on there. I'm getting so mad. Really? <laughs> oh, yeah. It's getting so mad. Yeah, Every day, HelloFresh so want wants me to sign up for four free meals. Yes, yes, I want to sign up for some of those meals one of these times. HelloFresh Hello Hello is not a sponsor. They could be a sponsor. No, HelloFresh, hello. Hello. Okay. This is Mary Brown's segment. Do not mention other companies. <laughs> All right. Here I love we go. Mary Brown's. From Dave Cote, the super, fra- super fan, and he used that hashtag. Two questions. What wrestling podcast besides your own do you recommend? And would you be, uh, who would be your dream guest? So there we go. I'm going first. Sure. You go first. My dream guest would be Paul Heyman. Uh, as That's a, a good one. As a big get. And as a local, I'd want Ernie Todd. Those are both good. Uh, Podcast that I suggest, um, that's a tougher one. I actually like uh, Pro Wrestling News, which is done by the Arcadian Vanguard. And every day, it's a daily, and they tell you what happened in the last 24 hours. So that's actually one of the best ways I keep up to date right now. Uh, um, And then the other one would be... hmm, I like anything that I like contrasting opinions and and things that are a little bit more out there. But of the mainstream ones, I like Arn yeah. Arn Anderson's podcast. I think he's so genuine and honest, and I think that's really refreshing. Uh, that's one of Conrad's podcasts. It's it's actually one of my favorite ones. I like Bischoff's podcast too, but uh, Arn Anderson's the one I would recommend. All right, um, for me. I really, as far as podcasts go, I like uh, Pro Wrestling Then and Now. I believe that's John Arezzi. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, that, that's on uh, Arcadian Vanguard no, as well. No, it's not. No? It's his own. Is it? It's his yeah. own. Okay. it's on. It's I like on John's podcast. John's pretty good. Yeah, that's a really good podcast. Arn is a good podcast. Jeff Jarrett's podcast has been surprisingly... One of Conrad's, yeah. Yeah, has been surprisingly good. I could rip that apart if you want. I used to like Cornette. It's not that I don't like Cornette anymore. I just felt it was so freaking long and negative sometimes that I just it just felt like it got me in a different headspace. It's also... Five-hour bees... Five five hour bee she's show five hour bee she's let's go marathon right it, now it's also Mike Davidson's wilting right now as we speak Jim so. Cornette's is also diluted because it's so long like it's diluted content yes so okay so and as for dream guests oh I didn't even think about this one you said Paul Heyman that's a really good get uh, dream guests Eric Bischoff for hey, me Heyman's impossible so, so is, is Eric, Bischoff so, so, is, so, is, so is Bischoff but we're just this is hypothetical. And locally, you said Ernie Todd. That would have been mine as well. Let me think here. 
Um, I know there's a lot of a lot of really good guys. I mean, Andrew Shellcross. I mean, he's attainable. Yeah. I would love to. Have, I think he would be a great podcast guest. He'll be early in 2023. Yeah, I promise you that. He, he's you know he's got a lot of energy and he he's never had a shortage of things to say. So I'm going to say Andrew Shellcross locally, Mecca. I would say just based on being a loyal bees she's listener, I would love to see Adam Knight on here at some yeah, point. Yeah, great one. I would love He's, to see Adam the, Knight the invitations there. there. I've even rolled out the yellow carpet for him. Yeah. We don't have a red carpet. Yellow's perfect for him. Yeah. So I mean, I would love to see that. That would be great. I think that would be good. Um <clears throat> and then as far as um podcasts, you know, I listen to uh I'm a loyal listener of uh, Bruce Pritchard, something to wrestle. Yeah. Um, I also like Tony Schiavone's what happened when, um, basically I have, I, I, you know, I got my whole house kind of wired for sound so I can just get my phone, sync it up. And I just listen, (laughs) I was listening to it today in the shower before I came here's WrestleMania 18. So, uh, yeah, no, those are my two go-to. Pritchard's podcast was amazing when he was not in WWE, when he was doing more imitations and he was a little bit more colorful, he became a little bit more politically correct after he went back to WWE, but his podcast is still amazing. Doot, doot. Absolutely. All right. This one coming in from Travis, and this one came in at uh, totalbshees at gmail.com. He was very excited about this one. Now that AEW is legitimately coming to Winnipeg, I have a bit of a dilemma. I have no problem taking my three girls to see WWE, but I feel like AEW, the content is not really something I'd be comfortable bringing my children to because WWE makes jokes like the Simpsons where uh, the adults get it, but it sails over the head of the kids. AEW is very on the face of it and everybody gets it. It's very vulgar. Okay. What do you guys think of that? When I read that question, I didn't realize he had three daughters. So my initial response Big wrestling does not apply now. But if you want to get your kids conditioned that anything they see at a wrestling show won't won't be uh, content that's too much for them, viewer discretion is advised. Have me book me as a babysitter. I don't come cheap. But after three hours of hearing what I use for language and, and what I do, they'll be ready for AEW, and there will not be any worry about corrupting children. Um, I think the thing is, is as a parent right now, listen, my parents didn't filter what I watched in the eighties and nineties. And listen, I learned what was right and wrong based on my own judgment. I I always think that over parenting kids, sometimes you shelter them from what the real world is and then they get out there and they get overwhelmed by it. So sometimes let them see some of this content. I think it helps condition them for what the real world might be. And I think that's a great point because I can recall when I was a kid uh, watching on a Sunday afternoon, um, the road warriors trying to gouge out dusty roads. eye with a spike, yeah. which was a great angle. So, uh, I mean, that was on TV and I was, you know, whatever I was probably nine years old when that was happening. So, I mean, uh, is AEW all that more offensive than something like that? I no. just think nowadays, you know, there's th- this stuff is, is out there. I mean, like, I think you can't, like you said, Mike, you can't shelter your kids from all this stuff. I mean, you can choose whether or not you want your kids to watch some of this stuff, but I don't really think any, all elite wrestling is any more offensive than WWE. Is it a little more uh, of a more grittier presentation? Yes. Is there more blood and guts as Vince McMahon likes to say? Yes. But I mean, I think it's, it's all pro pro wrestling. I, I, I get his point uh, to, to a degree because AEW, there's no, there's not a lot of nuance when they make a, uh, what does that mean? 
there's not a lot left unsaid. There's not a lot of theater of the mind. Like I said, it, it's very straightforward. It's very on the face of things. It doesn't go into the, the adult brain and they get it and the kids flies over their head. Everybody gets every sexual innuendo, pun, whatever on AEW. So I kind of get where he's coming from, but I also, I agree with the, the, the both of you. I was not uh, filtered. I was allowed to watch wrestling. I was allowed to ro- watch The Simpsons. My parents hated The Simpsons. They would tell me to shut off, but only because they thought it was stupid, not because I wasn't allowed to watch it. And, it, you know, it worked out fine. So I, w- I would say maybe go with them, and if there's something questionable, you can talk about it on the ride home. I yeah, remember I, I, out, Outlaw Ron Bass taking his spurs and ripping open Brutus the Barber Beefcake's head before SummerSlam 88. So Yeah, and in 92, it was uh, I was 13 years old, and Jake was attacking Randy with a cobra with snake, a cobra. and I was deathly afraid of cobras. 91. It, oh, thank you. Uh, it, it actually allows parents to have the conversation about, hey, you know, that's not right. You couldn't. That's you know. interesting. So it actually gives you the talking point to, to be able to build with your kids Hey, you know, like, I know you like what you saw in wrestling, but you wouldn't be able to do that in the real world. And you wouldn't want to do that because most people aren't bad, like, like Ron Bass or Jake, the snake Roberts, you know? So you, you can't, you can't, you know, be afraid of that. Do you have have the, do you have the conversation while protecting the mystique of wrestling? That's another sort of uh, my, my dad didn't protect the, like, my dad was the first person to say, Hey, that's a show that's not real. Um, but I still believed like, I, I believed, uh, I, I didn't care that it wasn't real. Like, yeah. like I, I didn't care that they worked together as far as I was concerned. You know what? The, the quarterback works with the receiver to complete a pass. They don't call football fake. Yeah. I can't stand it when people say, but it's fake, but it's fake. But they watch like the bachelor yeah. or they watch like Arnold Schwarzenegger, like blow some guy's head off with a yeah. gun. Like, is that real? Like, so if you think about yeah, wrestling differently, here's the thing. Two athletes are going in to put together something. That's, that's a great sports spectacle. Well, guess what? When when the quarterback snaps the ball and he tells his receivers to run certain routes, and the def- the only thing you're watching is a different the, the, it's a different competition. The competition is on the field; the other team is defending against it. But what you're watching in wrestling is the match that's in the ring wants to be the best match of the night. So they're competing with the next match, and they're competing with the the opening match. And the, so it, there's competition in wrestling that makes it very real. Just because the two guys aren't literally trying to clothesline the other guy's head off to, and then jumping off the top rope and dropping a leg, like that's all work. They working together on that doesn't mean what they're doing is is a fake or it's a smoke show. It's legitimate. There, there's a lot more reality in wrestling than there is fakeness for lack of a better yeah. term like like when you fall yeah you're really falling but yes. you're protecting yourself how you fall and yeah. how i always explain it it's basically like i look at it as figure figure skating <sighs> i'll sound silly yeah. but you have two people working together to make a performance yeah. and yeah. if they do it together well and let me tell you beautiful. something else respect what wrestlers do because i see retired hockey players who still can golf every day who still can lace up skates and play pretty good games of 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 like rec league yeah. hockey after they're retired, they still have all of the physical capabilities. Sure. They aged out and couldn't keep up with the actual pro sport aspect of it. And some of them get surgeries and stuff like that. But you watch wrestlers who are now 40, who've done it maybe a hundred times. Like I can name local guys. Mm-hmm. You, you watch them walk in the room and they're, they're half their, their bodies are spent. 
Yeah. You're not going to have old timers matches at 50 where you're going to be wrestling like you did when you were 40 or 30. Like it, the, the, the toll it took on the body, it was a hell of a, it was a hell of a sacrifice for those guys and, and they deserve respect for what they tried to do. There we go. And that's uh, another edition of the Mary Brown's mailbag. And we got one in the bag this week's episode 33, all said and done. Glenn Goza. Time for you to play us out. Well, the boss called me up and said, come in to work. I just hung up on that slave driving jerk. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. Well, you'd think I'd rather be sweating on a dock or watching somebody use a hammer lock. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. Well, I love to watch the missing link bang his head on a corner post. And the rumper bumper butt butt delivered by the ice man. The Freebirds, Roberts, Hayes, and Gardy, but what I like the most is Kerry delivering the iron claw as only the Vaughn Erics can. Well, the boss called again, said it's time and a half. You'll come in tonight, and I just had to laugh. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R A S S L I N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. Well, my girlfriend called, and friends, she could be a model for Fredericks of Hollywood, but she was hassling, really hassling. Said I could come over early and stay real late, but I told her, honey, if we have a date, we're going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. Kevin Von Erich, when he's really high and flying, I like to see Ric Flair, but he's out there strutting. Andre the Giant must be seven foot nine. Well, I wouldn't miss this for a dozen girls, and I wouldn't miss this for nothing. I said, honey, I hope you ain't hurt. She said, I'm putting on my wrestling shirt. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. Well, last night I dreamed my life was over. There was golden streets and fields of clover and the lights, they were dazzling. I looked for old St. Peter at the pearly gates. I found a note that said, I won't be too late. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. There's gentleman Chris Adams with his super kick in place. Young Mike Von Erich with his own iron claw. And I'll never forget the classic matches of the 70s and 80s. Two champions, Harley Race and David Von Erich. St. Peter told me as he let me in, from now on, every Monday and Friday, Glenn, we're going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. Well, if I'd known this was going to happen, I wouldn't have bought those advanced tickets. By the way, St. Pete, are you sure these wings will fit in a ringside seat? Is Fritz coming up here anytime soon? <laughs>